This is Chad Brashears, and you're listening to Never In My Wildest Dream podcast. This podcast is about creating a behind-the-scenes look with coaches, fans, and reporters from our point of view, sharing cool stories as only we've lived them. The goal is for you to learn something new to help your life and allow yourself to take a break from everyday chaos and let us give you a behind-the-scenes look into our world. Never In My Wildest Dreams podcast begins in... Good morning, and thank you for listening to Never My Wildest Dreams podcast. Today is Friday, January the 22nd of 2021, 22nd day of the new year. Looking forward to today's show. We're going to talk a little bit about sports. We're going to talk a little bit about the weekend with the NFL. Have my brother on the show to talk about the Packers, the weather, and the attendance that they're going to allow at Lambeau this weekend as well as discuss some Friday feelings, how it feels going into the weekend, what your weekend looks like. We will talk about all that when we come back here shortly. We'll start off today in the NCAA football world. Notre Dame has put on a one-year probation for illegal recruiting violations off campus done by an assistant coach. Alabama has named Bill O'Brien their new offensive coordinator. Excited for him to go back and, you know, stay in the coaching game, but, uh, as well as get back to the college level where he actually did a really good job stepping in at Penn State for that scandal and getting that back on its feet. In the college basketball world, Indiana went into Iowa and knocked them off last night. Michigan travels to Purdue this evening. The Saturday games, I think, are going to be pretty good when Cincinnati travels to Houston. Kansas travels to Oklahoma. UConn goes to Creighton. Baylor's at Oklahoma State. Maryland's at Minnesota. Georgia Tech travels to UVA. Can they have the glass slipper stay on a little bit? Two back-to-back wins over top 25 teams. Mizzou travels to Tennessee. And I think that Tennessee is going to come out and absolutely kill them because Tennessee got their butts beat down in Florida. I know Rick Barnes probably had some really good practices, kind of came back to earth a little bit, and maybe had some come-to-Jesus meetings. And other news today before we get into the NFL, it's sad to hear that Hank Aaron has passed away at the age of 86. And yesterday, horrible news up in Wisconsin. Ted Thompson, former general manager of the Green Bay Packers, passed away at the age of 68. His birthday was on January the 17th, so he is a fresh 68. Um, A lot of guys have passed away in the Packers organization this year. It's kind of scary to list them all and go back and look at them. But I do know that on Sunday, a lot of Hall of Famers will be sitting in front row seats watching the Green Bay Packers take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. On the phone right now, I got my brother, Kevin Brashears. I know he's driving, uh, doing some of his detective work. He's been working since 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, don't want to keep him on very long because he probably needs a nap. But, uh, Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you. How's, uh, you drinking coffee yet since you've been up since 3 o'clock? No, I mean, I went to bed at 3. I got up a little early. I, I finished at 3, got up and had to take care of some stuff this morning. But, no, I haven't even... I haven't even uh, got into the coffee yet. I'm not a not a acquired taste. Yet. Yeah, you, we got to get you into that coffee. That's the good stuff. <laughs> um, speaking of coffee, what's the real feel in Green Bay right now? Uh, I looked at a couple minutes ago. Some guys at the office were talking about it. And it's uh, one real feels one degree right now. Real feels one. I I don't think it's one degrees in Tampa Bay as we speak. And uh, I do know that the they have not traveled yet. They're not traveling until Saturday. So it's going to be a little difficult to uh, emulate the uh, temperature down there in Tampa. It's 73, a balmy 73 today with the high of 80. People are going to be out on the beach getting tans, drinking their, uh, you know, fruity tropical drinks. And uh, up in Green Bay, they're trying to figure out how to keep their fingers from falling off. So we got a week six matchup. Tampa Bay's coming into Lambeau. Looks like they're going to put 10,000 people in Lambeau this weekend. They, That's uh, going to sound about about eighty-five. Yeah, they're going to they increase the number, and uh, looking forward to that. Um, Patrick Lane on ESPN.com kind of put his bold prediction out today that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game-winning touchdown pass will be thrown to a wide receiver by the name of Tyler Johnson, rookie fifth-round draft pick out of Minnesota, and it's going to be on the final drive, and they're going to win twenty-six to twenty-four. He's totally thrown Green Bay off as they're not able to do anything against the zone defense that Tampa Bay played against Aaron in Week 6. Yeah, I mean, it's, I wouldn't necessarily agree with what he's saying, but that's Tyler Johnson. He's pretty good. He's the one that made that, that uh, great catch last week when I believe it was a third down mm-hmm. um, for Brady, the, the extended play effort. And um, 
I don't don't agree with it, but I think that uh, I think it'll be close. It'll be a good game. I think the zone will be. Aaron studied a lot of film this week, I'm sure, to figure out what went wrong there. And, and I know the offensive line is going to going to protect him well, and he's going to have to get the ball out quick and let you know Tay and all those guys do their do their make their plays and perform the way that they've been performing. Looking at some stats, the Green Bay Packers saw a zone 61% of the time on Aaron dropbacks, and it's his only multi-interception game earlier this year during week six. The funny stat that I think, over the 13 wins, including the playoffs, Tom Brady has only been sacked 1.1 time and seen pressure 14% of all dropbacks with a QB rating of 82. But in the losses this season, the five of them, he's been sacked twice with a pressure rating of 27%, and his QB rating goes right in half under pressures. I have a feeling that those guys on defense and Patton have got this thing dialed in. And if they can, they know they can get to Brady two or three times and get him down, it's a totally different ballgame. Oh, for sure. I think, you know, you you start bringing that pressure. He's, he never was a mobile quarterback. Him and him and Manning were the uh, epitome of pocket passers. But you get him, him moving a little bit or, or a little uncomfortable and the guys up front doing their things, he and, and Preston and, uh, you know, Gary and all those guys up front doing that. And then you get the... The corners lock him down. I think and the addition of Tremont Williams there. I think you know, the ageless the ageless Packer here it seems. But I think you start dialing up that pressure and getting to him and you know, then if mistakes come, turnovers and that's what killed us the first time. Aaron Aaron with a two picks. One pick and six. Then, yeah, pick six was like third or fourth of his career. Yep. And then um, a fumble, you know, mm-hmm. so we went up ten nothing and then we're driving for potential to go seventeen up seventeen nothing. And 17 nothing versus 10 nothing is a completely different ball game. Now, granted, they scored 38 unanswered, but you know, 17 nothing, their place, that kind of takes the uh, wind out of their sails a little bit too. And in this case, in week six, we fumbled and then uh, momentum got turned and then we kind of shut down. But I think, I think the latter part of the year, especially the Peyton, even the loss against the Colts, uh, you know, and the Bears, when game became close. They turned it up a little bit, and they, they put guys away and buried them. And I think that's what, you know, they did that last week against the Rams, and they need to do that again. You know, um, before we get into the next part that I want to talk about, I do find this kind of funny. Devontae Adams must have gone up to Jalen Ramsey in pregame, last game, and said, let's give the fans a show. That's what they came to see. And he basically called him out. So Carlton Davis, not, not Mimi, you know, and here in Hagerstown, Carlton Davis. But Carlton Davis <laughs> has decided to call out Devontae Adams. He states they're going to start at the line of scrimmage in cover one, and he's going straight up against him. And that his length and physicality is going to disrupt Adams' release. Do you think Devontae's reading the same shit I am? Well, I can go back to an old duty they're taking. Good luck. Yep. I mean, he, uh, <laughs> he's this... not going to be able to, uh, to handle that. Tay's getting Tay, I mean, he's just, he's on a whole nother level when it comes to getting off the line. He doesn't get jammed very often. If he does, he makes adjustments. You know, this this guy, if, if, if he thinks this guy is more physical than Jalen Ramsey or Richard Sherman or some of the guys that have been powerhouses for a number of years, you know, I don't even know who this guy is, but, you know, he's going to he's gonna struggle, I think, against Tay. And, and then I'm looking it up, and, and if Tay gets shut down, and you got MVS, you got, you know, Oh, Tunyon Funyon there. You got, got MV, or, uh, MVS. You know, we got some weapons, and, and Jones coming out of the backfield, and Dylan. And, you got uh, three-headed monster in the backfield. We got, you know, you, you forgot the Lizard King. Yeah, the old Lizard King there, the... Uh, the Juice Man. He's coming out reviewing all the juices. I think it was Carrot and Apple the other day. Was it? Um, from what he talked about on, on uh, Pat McAfee there. Yeah, the Pat McAfee uh, show was able to kind of show some of those, or whatever I guess he does, and they were talking, you know, he has different kinds, and some he hates the cayenne pepper juice or something like that. You know, speaking of the Lizard King and Alan Lazard and what he the comment he made on Pat McAfee, that's the reason I kind of tried to segment into that a little bit, but... He said that Devontae Adams' feet need to be registered weapons because nobody can get him off the line and stop him. And, you know, I, I don't think Aaron, I mean, Aaron's cocky and the swag is oozes out of him as he walks around. But I do believe that 
Devontae's probably heard this and probably said a few choice words that I'm choosing not to put on my podcast that I would say any other time that I'm not being recorded. But he probably just smiles a little bit knowing that everybody else has read this. I have a feeling the first play of the game is probably going to be a handoff to Aaron Jones. The second play of the game, I think, depending on what the yardage is there, Aaron's just going to say, all right, big boy, square up. Let's see what you got. Because Carlton is... I just pulled him up. He is a uh, he's a six foot one, two hundred and fifteen pound defensive back. You know, I'm not real sure as I read all of this. Last time I checked, Mr. Adams is six foot one, two hundred and fifteen pounds too. So it's mano y mano. It's not like he's overbearing or anything like that. Um, I did pull up the injuries though. Just wanted to read those real quick going into the uh, conversation. It looks like Ronald Jones, their running back, is still questionable. Chris Goodwin is still questionable with his with his quad. Mike Evans' knee was limited at practice on Thursday. Did not do much of anything. Antonio Brown did not practice Thursday. Has not practiced all week. That's, yeah, that's uh, that's you know, pretty the uh, pretty interesting there, isn't it? Yeah, the MRI came back and, and was no structural damage for, for uh, Antonio. But, I know. didn't know that Evans was on the list. I knew that the running back had a quad, and I knew that uh, was a Godwin or Goodwin uh, was also questionable. But, you know, they, they got weapons, you know. And the, and the thing is with the weather and Gronk and Brady, they've done it forever in, in, in uh, New England. So they're going to be used to it. But those other guys, you know, offensively, defensively, special teams, it's going to be different, I think, and um, you know, if it's one degree right now, just say it's in the in the teens for real feel on uh, kickoff on Sunday. That's different from going to 80, 80 degrees to the teens. It's not a great day. As I look at the Packers, nothing that we didn't know. Mason Crosby still questionable with regards to his shoulder when he decided. You know, him and J.K. Scott should have just fell on the damn ball with the field goal stuff. And then uh, Mercedes Lewis did not practice yesterday with his knees resting. That Alan Lazard was limited. With regards to his wrist, I didn't know his wrist was messed up. Um, A.J. Dillon's quad is it was a little tight, so he did not practice yesterday. Jamal Williams was limited. Um, sorry, A.J. Dillon did practice. He was limited. And Will Redman uh, did practice yesterday. He came off. So, you know, it's kind of neat le- reading those a little bit to see who is questionable, who's on the injury reserve. I have a feeling that uh, Matt LaFleur is just kind of resting those guys up a little bit. That Tom Brady effect, I, uh, I don't want to put him up there but he is the goat i mean that guy has done some serious damage in the pocket for his career he kind of has that tom brady effect that michael jordan Derek jeter you know he has that effect but somebody's forgetting about a guy from uh northern california a little bit who is is locked all the way in and i think that aaron has he said some stuff in the last couple podcasts that i've listened to that made me think internally and myself a little bit which is he just is having fun and you got to look at positives in life, not the negatives. And, you know, you got to be positive in, your, in every action and positive things come out. And he's done that. And I think that that's going to carry over into Sunday. 3.05 kickoff. And it looks like it's going to be a fun one. Stephen A's picking Aaron Rodgers. He said he said he's a bad man. I'm not going against him. Well, I'm not either. You know, you, you talk about the positivity that he's got. You know, he's. I think you know. Obviously, the the, the Pat McAfee shows puts you a little light into Aaron and his private life a little bit. But he is he is relaxed. You know, he broke a number of years ago. He said everybody for to relax, but he's relaxed this year. He's having fun. He's enjoying it. You know, him and LaFleur have a great connection, comes to play calls, and, you know, he's 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 locked in and he's ready to go, too. And, and Brady, you know, Brady's phenomenal. Other guys behind, around Brady falter a little bit, have a little, uh, some picks here, some fumbles, all that stuff. Not used to the frozen tundra. Uh, hopefully that'll play in our favor. Big Bob, Bob Domoski, he says the Packers are winning 31-17. to 17. That's his pick, and he's sticking to it. He would know. He's there every day. Hey, that guy, he's, he's in with Aaron and with those guys. So that's the uh, that's where I'm going to sit. I'm, I was going to go a little bit more than that. I, I picked 31-24. I think it's going to be a really good ball game, and I think uh, I think the Packers score on the final drive and bury them. I just have a, I have a feeling he makes – I don't like the nail biters because I can't do anything about <laughs> it. When I played, it was different. I could control a little bit. But hey. the nail biters to me get me – Hey, I sit on the sideline and my heart rate's like 85. You're just sitting in the top row of the bleachers at like 180. You got to work on that. Yeah, yeah, because I knew I'd do things differently sometimes than what the players are doing. And what can I do on the sideline? I can't control them anymore to call plays. You can't do it either, but 
I just, I don't know. I guess that's my personality. Yeah, it is competitiveness. But, uh, <laughs> well, you know, looking forward to watching the game with you. So it'll be fun. couple days we'll uh, get to Benny's Pub, eat the good pub food, and watch the Packers with the Packers fans. So Perfect. All right, buddy. Have a good rest of your day, and I look forward to seeing you this weekend. You too. Thanks. See ya. It's always fun having him on the show. He uh, brings a lot of information. He does a lot more looking up on the internet than I do. He's all over Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram, finding all kinds of stuff out that goes up on Green Bay, and he texted to me. So uh, looking forward to this weekend. Tim Kelby will be on when we come back here from our short break. Never in my wildest dreams podcast begins in. Three, two, one. Before we get Tim on the show here, let's talk a little bit about Friday feelings going into the weekend. Here's something I want you to think about. I found that nothing in life is worthwhile unless you take risks. Nothing. Nelson Mandela once said there is no passion to be found playing small and settling for a life that's less than the one that you're capable of living. Now I am sure in your experiences in school and applying to college or interviewing for jobs, people have told you make sure you have a fallback plan that safety net with life. Honestly, I've never understood this concept having a fallback plan. Hell, if I'm gonna fall, and trust me, I've fallen a ton backwards, I refuse to anymore. I will only fall forward moving forward in my life. At least this way I'm gonna see what the hell I'm gonna hit. I say this, take the risks, make that phone call, send that email, start that business you want to, and date that girl, go and do, Because when old man time catches up with you, you don't want to wish you had done those things instead of you did those things. This is my Friday feeling, and Tim will be on right after this. Never in my wildest dreams podcast begins in... Three, two, one. Got Tim Kelby here on the line. Really excited to talk to Tim about, honestly, the Browns. And then we got a whole bunch of other stuff to talk about. From uh, baseball players this week have passed away, as well as looks like high school sports are starting back up. Tim, welcome on the show. Good to be back. So uh, I was texting with you during the game, and I honestly thought at three, at the third down and 14 to go with Chad Henney before he rushed, Baker was going to get the ball back and have a chance. Did you feel the same way? Well, it's uh, you can look at it this way. Uh, in the in, in the common phrase throughout the Cleveland area uh, was the drive, the fumble, mm-hmm. and the helmet. Yep. Uh, you know, no matter what else happened in that game. And what helped? What happened afterwards? I mean, you know how the NFL stresses to their officials about the head-to-head hits. Yep. And if, a, if the officials would have been in position, first of all, they would have seen that that head-to-head hit easily. Yes. Easily. That just, I mean, from that point on, I personally felt that the NFL didn't want the Browns to win. You know, you know, it's funny you say that, and, and I'm not going to get on the whole thing where I think the NFL is rigged, but it just feels like they don't know what to do with Patrick Mahomes, and we'll get, we're going to talk about that too, but he gets hurt. It's like, oh, crap, we can't really let this thing happen because Patrick Mahomes has to be back in the Super Bowl. I just felt that way watching the game. I could be wrong. And then, and then you get to today is the 22nd, right? Five days ago. The dude couldn't stand up, and he passed his protocol today. Uh, yeah. When you have other guys that got concussions in about three wife. weeks. I looked at my wife, and I said, you know what? I said, two things have happened here, dear. No, I actually said one thing happened, and one thing's going to happen. Uh, it didn't happen, but at first I thought this was going to be a repeat of uh, Lamar uh, Jackson mm-hmm. when the Brown- against the Browns. When he yep. came out of the locker room, mm-hmm. I said to her, I said, you wait and see. He is going to come back out in the fourth quarter and something's going to happen. Yep. But, of course, he never did. Right. But uh, uh, that was, uh, you know, first I, I, I was upset that Higgins, uh, that Higgins tried to do what he did with the outstretched uh, effort. He had plenty of room after he caught the ball to make a cut inside. Uh, mm-hmm. instead of diving 
and uh, these uh, you know these damn players they get they hold they hold the pylon mm-hmm. uh, too much uh, in high it's way it's they it's too much authority whatever you want to call it uh, that boy if I can hit that pylon no matter what well no matter what look you know the guy got hit in the head true yes and the Browns should have should have reaped that penalty but it was, I thought it was a it was a, I don't know it was an an effort on the part of Higgins that could have turned out a lot better by just moving inside I but, agree. Yeah, you know that's what adrenaline does, especially in a game like that. Oh, especially, I mean, 16,000 people that was finally starting mm-hmm. to feel like real football again, you know, from a fan's perspective, so I totally understand that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think the one thing is uh, I wasn't totally upset with the loss. Right. Because the Browns showed the country that they weren't a pushover. Uh, as everybody thought, there were a lot of people. Uh, there was no middle ground in the betting. There was a lot of people who made some money, mm-hmm. or or there was a lot of people. <laughs> there were a lot of people that lost money. Oh yeah, on that on that line. Oh yeah. But I think the Browns, uh, the Browns, uh, uh, really cemented themselves uh, that they're they're back. They're in the NFL. They're back to play football. And I can't wait to see what the primetime schedule is going to be in the NFL next year. Yeah, me too. It's going to be interesting because the teams that have been on primetime, I don't think they're going to be on primetime nearly as much. And I think the ones that are starting to play right are going to be on primetime. Well, the Browns, you know, Browns play the Packers. Mm-hmm. They play uh, Kansas City mm-hmm. uh, next year, uh, plus, you know, the regular games. But you know, they got some marquee games next year that are going to be a primetime Primetime games. Absolutely. It's going to be fun to watch those games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'd like to see the latest move that is being talked about. Uh, the talk is that they're uh, going after uh, Watt out of Pittsburgh. And, uh, boy, what did, can you see that? Watt on one defensive end position opposite of Miles Garrett? Bring it on. Bring it on. Well, they're starting to make the decisions that will get them to places like they've been getting to now. Well, yeah. with the you know what I'm saying, they're starting to make the decisions that the the ones that are in the playoffs still playing are making, and and yeah. that's the fun part for you as a fan, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I'm. I tell you what, the Steelers are back in. The Steelers are back in the picture. Yeah. You know they you know signed them uh, Haskins. Yeah. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I say that with tongue in cheek. Now, boy, what is he going? He'll be no more than a third stringer. Oh, it, but then again, I read a story today. Pittsburgh's got to make a decision if they want to pay how much they want to pay uh, Big Ben next year. And is he worth? He's, the check? He could get upwards of forty million for next year. I saw that. Oh, oh my goodness gracious! Uh, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to spend that money on one player that should be retiring. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'm with yeah. you on that one. Um, I mean, I don't like Tom Brady. And, and, you know, God love him for, you know, playing like he's playing at age 43. But uh, Roethlisberger's not going to be that kind of player at that age. No. No, he's not. And, and you know, and that's the thing. I mean, we're going to talk about two other individuals, and I have one stat I'm going to throw at you when we talk. I just I want to make sure I have this right when I throw at you, though. But, you know, Tom Brady, you know, he just lost his one of his receivers for this coming game. Antonio's right. not going to play. He's out. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady's been fortunate. He's had some pretty solid receivers that he's thrown to. Maybe not Hall of Famers, but he's had guys that have been consistent. And Would you really rather have that. one Hall of Famer that can catch the ball? Or would you rather have four or five go-to guys that can ham- handle the ball, uh, catch four, five, six passes a game? I give me the four or five. Exactly. I, I'm the, I'm with you on that, and and I think he's had that, and he's done really well with yeah, that. Yeah, that's why they're yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what they did to the Packers earlier in the year? Thirty-eight to ten, scored thirty-eight <laughs> unanswered. Yeah, and I don't think that'll happen this year or this time. I don't think it will either. I think it's gonna be a good game though. I, I think that was one of those cases where you know it was earlier in the year, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Rogers wasn't at his best at the 
at, at that point like he has been. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll be a totally different outcome. And it's going to be a little cold up there. I mean, the the temperature yeah, right 20, now. 25 degrees would be great for uh, Green Bay. It is. And the winter weather advisory kicked in for the for the next couple of days into the weekend. I mean, the real fill right now in Green Bay is one. Yeah. You know what that's like being out in Cleveland. That, that I'd love to see Buffalo beat Kansas City. Oh, me too. I think that'd be awesome. I think that would yep. be absolutely awesome. I don't know if, um, <clears throat> if you had a chance to listen to yesterday's show, but... I had Chad Dickman on from Hood, so he was telling me, so we, were going, we had some recruiting stories going back and forth. How about this one? He was an assistant coach at Wheeling Jesuit University. He mm-hmm. recruited Travis Kelsey to come to Wheeling Jesuit, and Travis really? had to tell him, mind. you know, hey, I think i got a future in football. He, yeah, of course yeah. you do. <laughs> well, you know where he's from. Ohio. Where from? Cleveland. Is he Cleveland? I wasn't sure if yeah. it was Cleveland or not. Yep. But he went to Cincinnati, right? He stayed in the state. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did. Solid solid ball player. He and does. he that in high school that was not his number one sport. Was basketball his number one sport? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean yes. Chad talked about That's him. probably why Chad wanted him to come to Jesuit. That's pretty cool. I mean, and they're, yeah. they're the fun stories that I like being able to tell on the show. So right. speaking of Fun stories. It's not fun with the situation, but Hank Aaron and Don Sutton have passed away. Uh, yeah. What's your recollection? You know, as a kid growing up watching those guys play. Well, I, you know, Sutton. Uh, the thing with him is, you got to always see him pitch uh, with the when he was with the Braves, because that was the time when Ted Turner had TBS, and you saw every Atlanta Braves game. That's right, on cable. And you knew that you were always going to see number twenty pitch, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he didn't have your, he didn't have a, uh, uh, you know, the, the perfect motion mm-hmm. delivering the baseball. He had some uh, awkward uh, uh, movement in his delivery, uh, and the thing I liked about him too, he, there, you talk about somebody that always voiced his opinion and uh, said what he wanted to say, whether nobody liked it or not. That was uh, that was Don Sutton, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he could hit the ball too. But uh, you know he was a winner, and no doubt about it, he was a winner. So here it was too bad. It was too bad to see him go. He he won three hundred games, didn't he? He's uh, you know I don't think he did. Okay, uh, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, uh, you know he was up there. He uh, quite a bit, but I don't think he did. Got you. I, I haven't. I hadn't looked up any of that stuff. Yeah, I may be wrong, but I don't think he won three hundred. Here is the stat that blows me away more than anything. Okay, the guy made seven hundred and fifty-six career starts, mm-hmm. third all time behind Cy Young and Nolan Ryan. Mm-hmm. How about he never missed a start across twenty-three seasons in the majors? No, he never did. That's right. Isn't you that are crazy? So correct in that. And that is uh, that is an absolutely unbelievable uh, achievement. Yeah, that's what I had one to throw never at you. Have a sore arm, even <laughs> even a sore arm, just to miss miss a start. Absolutely. But yeah, that that is incredible. And you know what? He wasn't too bad of an uh, uh, analyst on uh, TV after he retired. Yeah, he. I say he went and got in the broadcasting uh, yeah. stuff. He became a Hall of Famer, and uh, but yeah, I thought I thought that's the number I was going to throw at you. I thought was pretty mm-hmm. cool that he. Uh, yeah, that's that's really cool. Yes. And you know, obviously, we know about Hank Aaron. What all he had. Yeah, to and, and the, you know, if you're real basic, <laughs> I, my wife was. Uh, she said, "You know, Hank Aaron died today," and I said, "Yeah, I sure do." And I asked her, I said, you know what, can, can you, cause she, she likes baseball, and, uh, and she's learned a lot more since she's been around me. Um, but I asked her, she said, you know what one particular memory is of Aaron? And she's not enough time ahead. And so I described to her the night that he hit number 715. Correct. To, uh, you know, it was at home in the old Fulton County Stadium. Mm-hmm. And again, that was one of the advantages of being able to watch the Braves on TV. Yep. Because you saw it that night. And he hit the home run off of Al Downing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it barely got over the fence. Didn't the guy in the bullpen uh, catch it? In left field. And 
the thing was there was a couple of guys that jumped out of the stands. Yes. And ran the bases behind him. Yes. And it was it was between second and third before the authorities got to, were able to get to get to those guys. But that was the kind of thing. That, and and Hank Aaron had that. Do you remember? If you remember, Ron say mm-hmm. of the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. You know, they called him the Duck. You know, because they did that the way he ran. You know, he had that. He had that. Uh, it was hard to describe, but he did not have your natural trot. Okay, right. And Hank Aaron's was a little bit not as pronounced, but he had a little bit of that. But it was authoritative. Mm-hmm. And in that situation. 715 you just passed the babe uh that was something that you can was tv or not that's something that you'll always remember oh you know, that was like that was like Mazeroski's uh, home run in a world series uh to beat the yankees game know, seven those are the kind of things that you'll never forget well Mazeroski, if i'm not mistaken bases loaded he's the only walk-off oh, grand slam that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that was something but uh, yeah, Aaron, that's, you know, he's eighty-six years old, yep. I believe. Yeah, he was. And uh, you know, he's, he's, he lived a great life, and uh, he's where he belongs, up there with the great ones. Yeah, he. I mean, and I remember. Okay, so obviously I wasn't born when he broke the record of Babe Ruth, but I remember seeing obviously video clips and YouTube has really helped with a lot of that. But mm-hmm. didn't he like one of the guys pat him on the back when he was running around second between second and third, like one of the fans or oh, something oh, like the, that? Oh, the, uh, the Dodger players. Oh, they all did. Yeah. That's what they I thought. Were all cl- they were all patting him and they were clapping. Yeah. That's what I thought. And oh yeah. 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 And, and Steve were, Garvey. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Garvey. Garvey put his arm, if I'm not mistaken, Garvey had his glove underneath his one arm and he was applauding him. That's awesome. Did, okay, so there were nets in the stands, right? Didn't a lot of people bring, like, fishing nets and stuff in trying to catch oh, that ball? They, oh, they had them hanging out all over the place. That's what I thought. And then... Fulton County had a high wall. They did. And didn't the guy in the yeah. bullpen catch the ball? Yes, they did, yeah. It was that's a pitcher that caught the ball. That's what I thought. I think it was a pitcher. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But, it, yeah, but it was caught, and it... It did come back to him. That's what, and, and you know, it's kind of funny you say that because when Mark McGuire hit 62, it had the exact same kind of thing. It never got up in yeah, the stands. Yeah, but he never saw that baseball. Really? I don't think he saw it for, he, he, he may have seen it eventually, right. but he didn't see it right away. There was some negotiation on that deal. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Now they, baseball. Yeah, and, 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 and I, I love, sure I love hope, baseball. I sure hope we have a full season of it. Yeah, me too. Without any interruptions. But. Yeah, me too. I, I love watching baseball. There's nothing like going to a baseball game in the summertime and, you know, sipping a That's cold one. That's one advantage to being outdoors. It is. It's, it's a because very good the, one. The NHL and the NBA are going to have a lot of problems. They're already having problems. They were unbelievable in the bubble, but once the bubble mm-hmm. burst, it just was not the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the wiz and the wizards are a mess. Yeah, they are. And and now you know the Capitals are are starting to get that way. They got some guys down, and Ovechkin's on the uh, he's on the COVID on list. the quarantine list, right? <laughs> yeah, protocol list. Yeah, yeah, it was like him and three he's, other players. I saw. It's uh, yeah. What can you say? But we got so we got you know a little bit of that going on. High school sports sound like they're about to start back up. What what are you hearing down in Frederick County? You and I talked a little bit about that uh, before you got on. What are you hearing with that? Yeah, you know, you see that they're going to end up. They're going to start playing uh, basketball. They got a uh, oh, what is it a five uh, five or six game schedule okay. over about a two and a half week period, and then they're going to have practice for football. Uh, Unbelievable! And those people down there are going to have a five-game schedule, and uh, then they're going to roll right into uh, spring season. Uh, it's re- it's ridiculous, uh, and I I'm just uh, I'm just appalled that these administrators are making decisions earlier and then canceling. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, let's pick another decision. We're going to have this date and that date. As well, you know what's going on as far as 
times and dates, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting the hopes up for these kids. And at the same time, you get after the parents have got to all be ready and make arrangements and and so on and so forth. And then there's not even going to be anybody at the games. Uh, that was one of the things that's highlighted. All of the Frederick County games are going to be, uh, they're all going to be uh, streamed live. Okay. Yeah, I have not been informed on ours. Uh, the only thing I can honestly yeah. tell you about ours is that February 6th is supposedly the, it's ironically, I'm going to say this, you're going to get it and hopefully my viewers and listeners do too, but it's the start end date. It either we're going to start that day, we're going to end yeah, that day. Absolutely. But it's the start end date all in the same breath. They're just, they're, they're, I think they're being selfish. Uh, I look at it that way. They're being selfish in the potential health of the kids. Uh, it's, it's, I akin it to something like you're trying to ram something down some people's throats. Mm-hmm. And in this case, we're going to ram some athletics down your throat. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I love sports high school sport and so on just as much as anybody mm-hmm. but there comes a there comes a time when a smart decision has got to be made and I don't think they're being made and I don't think the Washington County decisions are smart whatsoever of, of trying to get back into things I mean if you think you can play sports beginning with the spring season fine mm-hmm. but you don't need to you don't need to be in, put in a situation where you're out on a you're you're a basketball coach mm-hmm. that's out amongst the kids even before the teachers come back. You don't need to be a football coach in the same position. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just I think it's uh, I think it's just a lot of thought that hasn't been thought out properly. Even though you know they're going to say. We have thought of every angle possible, and we're doing everything we can to get everybody back on the field or on the court. Hogwash! And they're lucky. They're lucky. I'm not still working at the Herald Mail. You you've done a little bit of writing towards the NPSSAA in your day. A couple three part, four part series, haven't you? Oh, just a little bit. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not worried. I'm not. I've never been afraid to put uh, put the, uh, put words in print of. Uh, well, that's free. That's the free speech for you, right? But uh, you know, a lot of the things that I, uh, uh, that I chastise the state organization for, uh, some of some changes were made, mm-hmm. and uh, not all of them, but uh, some were. And uh, you know, it uh, it's never going to be right in everybody's view, right? And the COVID has just has just made it so much worse than what it needs to be. And, uh, you know, we've got uh, more, you know, we've got more strains coming in. And uh, I just don't think, I just don't think it's worth it all the way through the year. I mean, you know, I miss my guys as much as, as any coach, I'm sure. And, you know, I want to get back on the floor. The itch just is there. Like, it, it kind of came and it went because you were like, well, I'm not going to get my hopes up because we don't know when we're going to start. But then you start reading mm-hmm. stuff and it's like, oh, boom, here we go. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. the itch is there, but I, I just want to be safe. I mean, you know, I want my staff to be safe. I mean, my, my job as a head high school basketball coach is – you know, I got 39, 40 kids in my program. Mm-hmm. I got six assistant coaches who have families. I've got a lot that sits on my back at a very – it's a, at a position that I love being at. So when I say the next statement, it doesn't mean that. But it's a low-paying yeah. position, right? But I carry the but weight of – Yeah, but most people don't realize all the hassle that you take from parents. Oh, my goodness. We have a whole show on that. Take. It's, it's <laughs> unbelievable. Um, Especially in this day and age, I would love to. I haven't broken it out. Maybe I'll do that. You know, here in the near future, and we can talk about that on one of the shows. I'd love to do that with you. What I make per hour? <laughs> uh-huh. How many cents I make per hour? But it, it's 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 honestly it's, a, it's a passion and it's a love. But in the same token, I don't want to go to somebody's funeral and have to look that staff member in the eye because their parent got sick because they got sick yeah. at a basketball practice. That's where I'm kind of looking at it from that point of view. So, yeah. I um, think, you know what? I was just thinking in my mind, you know, 
you're talking we're talking about uh, conference leagues or conferences that are playing and those that aren't mm-hmm. you know I kind of give you know a lot of the schools uh, except maybe one or two down in the, uh, the Baltimore Catholic League mm-hmm. uh, even in the Washington Catholic mm-hmm. I give them a lot of credit you know those are high powered schools oh my goodness yeah. especially down in Washington with that our five you know these kids are D1 recruits. Oh, he was about five-star athletes. If, if it wasn't for AAU uh, basketball, mm-hmm. they would be totally in, in a dire situation in trying to get to college. But oh. I give them credit. You know, they're not pushed. They haven't pushed themselves to play. No, you. I mean, in my opinion, and I'm and I'm going to put this out there, and I'm sure you probably would second it, or if you if you don't second it, you're going to be very close. Okay. Pat Clatchy is the best high school basketball coach in the state of Maryland active right now. Do you agree with that statement? Uh, yeah. Active. I, I, active. Yeah, I, I do as far, you know, as far as the full package uh, on and off the floor. Okay. With, you know, his wins, yeah, you know, his wins and losses, you know, it goes right. Him, they, they rival St. Francis. They do. Uh, but I think what comes out of St. Joe on and off the floor, and I don't say this to say that St. Francis has bad kids, I think that St. Joe is far superior in that aspect. Mm-hmm. And that's because, you know, that's, that's because of a Mike Bray type of coach. Mm-hmm. They make sure their kids graduate and go on. Absolutely. That's what Pat, that's what Pat does down mm-hmm. in St. Joe. He does, and the reason I bring up Clatch is because obviously I'm tight with Clatch, you're tight with Clatch, and you can probably text him and call him just the same as I am. Him and I have texted a little bit during this COVID thing, and he is not messing with it. No, and I'm all. sure he's told you. I know I talked to him uh, shortly after the, the, the COVID uh, really hit, mm-hmm. and he said there is no way uh that as long as this virus is around, there's no way am I coaching, and there is no way I'm putting my players out there and taking a chance. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Right. And and his, I don't know if you knew this or not, but you know his nickname is the Godfather of Basketball in, in Baltimore. Sure did. Yep. So to me, you know, and I and, and I always leaned on Pat even when I competed against him at Goretti, and then obviously when I recruited some of his kids when I was a college coach, and then every single time St. Joe comes into town now. I still try to go over and give the dude a big hug and have a conversation with him because he's just an awesome human being. Yeah, you know, like you have. I always, from when I first came here 20 years ago, and it was a year or two before I really got uh, involved as far as knowing what the history and what the schools were about in the BCL. But that was one coach. It, and when I first interviewed him, he was one of those that, well, you got to get to know him. And he does not give you a wealth of quotes. <laughs> no, he's pretty low uh, spoken, too. He just too. never has. And over the years, you know, it, uh, when, we, you know when I'd be at a game, covering at a game, you know, before the game, and I'm always early to a game. I'm, I've, I usually get there uh, early into a JV game. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to I want to talk to him. Talking coach, and he would, uh, and he, we would get together in the stands and uh, kind of um, reminisce. And yeah, I can remember when he he could remember at one point a couple years ago, Chad. He remembered some of the questions that I asked him mm-hmm. before and after games, and we chuckled over them. But uh, you know, coaches don't a lot of those don't remember that stuff. But he that's just how he was. That's how he is, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And you know, and you know what? I get you talk about Godfathers. You know, look at what Koki did at, at Gretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was another coach, as far as I'm concerned, that you know he made sure his kids graduated too. Yes. We and did. look at and look look at where some of the current crops at. Uh, crop of players are at. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously they've come through with Matt Miller and now with Sid. But that is, as far as I, that's just an extension of what came out of the school and came out through Koki. 
if you want to kind of simulate it a little bit to a college, it's like Coke was Dean Smith. And, you know, the Guthridge took care of business, and now Roy Williams is yeah. taking care of business again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's just, you know, he won a ton of games. Obviously, I had to follow him. It was huge footsteps to follow. Um, you know, but it's it, kind of tough. It's kind of tough to follow 697 wins, it, isn't it? Yeah, slightly. <laughs> Sli- <laughs> slightly. You know, it's yep. funny. So, I, I don't know if you covered my first game or not, but the first game, we're playing up at that Broad 40 kickoff tournament, and... Yeah, I, I had that game, yeah. The kid it was from the Lions kickoff tournament at Thanksgiving. Yep, and the and we had St. James beat, and the kid hit a shot basically at the buzzer to beat us, and then we ended up. Yep. I got my first career win the very next day, I think, against uh, Broad Fording. But Broad it was 40. it was one of those like, are you kidding me? Like I thought we had him, and then you know he had a, he had a big shot. Good for him. So yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. that's uh, those are those are things that uh, yeah I covered that uh, I covered that tournament and. Uh, you know, and, it, and you think of all the years later of, you know, you're talking about it, and I know I'm rambling on a little bit, but, uh, you know, you talk about things that you see on TV. It looks like, okay, like Hank Aaron's 715th. Right. Uh, so many other things that you see. But who's going to forget? Who is going to forget Koki's last game at home? I remember it very vividly to today. Who against is going to forget that? Nobody that was nobody that was there. No. I mean, I'm a reporter. I actually had tears in my eyes when he we uh, did circle after the game. You know, Billy Joel uh, was playing. You know that was the Cal Ripken walk. Yep. And yep. I, you're just not going to forget that kind of stuff. No. And, uh, you know, and, and I, like I said, I was fortunate enough to play for the guy. I was fortunate enough to coach under him, learn, learn a lot about the game under him. But, you know, we learned how to compete. We learned how to be on time. You know, we learned how, you know, mentioned mm-hmm. you come in early. Like, you just learn how to do certain things mm-hmm. that made mm-hmm. you a better person, a better player. I mean, you know, uh, we won 11 out of our last 12, and we had won 10 out of our last 11 at that point. And, and, Look, I love Coach to death as, as anybody else. We all have our war stories from Coach. I'm standing against the wall at Smithsburg, ironically right where Coach lives. He walks in the gym and he goes, you're playing well. I said, yeah, we're playing pretty good. He goes, see what tonight brings. Never know. And he kept walking and I'm like, thanks, Coach, for the confidence. <laughs> yep. But but he, the moment I got player of the year, it was a Sunday morning. And you know Coach as well as I do. And he called, and and I took the phone call because it you know came up Coach Robertson. So I took the call. Twenty eight minutes later, I got off the phone. If you have a twenty eight minute phone conversation with Koki, that's a long phone talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, and it was it was one that I'll remember. Um, twenty eight minutes worth of you're going to remember that all your life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he was really proud of me, and and you know he's had a lot of good things to say, and I'll just keep a lot of it to the conversation him and I had. But it was it was really. A situation, I think, of pride for him, and and mm-hmm. and that was cool. You know, Coke oh, Coke keeps a lot to his yeah. chest. He's, and uh, he he was uh, he was uh, unlike no other uh, that. Uh, you know, I, I the coaches that I've covered, he was uh, unlike no other as far as I'm concerned in basketball. I mean, I, I've got enough Coke story. I mean. I've got some stories back at locker rooms and, and, and nothing bad. I'm, I'm just talking like little, little innuendos and sayings. And, you know, he, he had a lot of one liners that, you know, one day we'll be able to, a group of us will probably laugh and, and be able to do, but we had a guy, he's now the principal at MK Dow and his name's Reagan Klutz and, and Klutzy was a big dude. Okay. So we're playing at the St. James tournament and, and Reagan was a senior and he made a move and um, Coke was not real happy with the move. And, I, and I was, I'm a sophomore at this point. I'm, I'm up on varsity for the tournament, and Coach calls a timeout. And he sits all of the guys on the floor down on the chairs, and we're kind of like supposed to wrap around, and we wrap around them. And he looks right at Reagan. He goes, you got the body of a Greek goddess, and you got moves like Lady Godiva. <laughs> oh, Look, I'm 15 years old trying not to laugh in the huddle because I'm afraid if I laugh, he's not going to put me on the floor. Oh, but 
we all got those stories, and and you know, it's yeah, funny. You as a player, you as a player, some of those you had to try and keep a straight face. Oh my god! Because he he, whether it's a basketball floor, the golf course, or wherever, he come out with some really. He could come out with some zingers. Well, I'll give you serious a, and somewhat hilarious. This might, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but I'm going to tell it because this is just too daggone good. And we got snow coming Monday and Tuesday, so it's playing right into this conversation. And it was around President's Day weekend this happened. It was my senior year. A kid by the name of Tommy Wills was on the varsity. He was a backup player, and it snowed. Now, Coach Rule, when it snowed, on snow days, you still had practice. You had to get your ass there. And if you couldn't get there, he drove around in his Zuzu Trooper and picked everybody up. That was the rule, right? Well, Tommy is nowhere to be found. Nowhere. Day one practice, nowhere. So the next day's a snow day. Tommy's nowhere to be found. Well, we're like, God, like Tommy lives like near Fountainhead. Like, this is odd. Like, Tommy should be here. Well, at the time, we thought Coke only knew, like, you know, a select amount of people. As an adult, we realized that, like, Cokey knows everybody and everybody knows Cokey. Well, Tommy was sledding on the golf course at Fountainhead for two straight days and never came to practice. Oh, my. So, Coke finds out about this. So, we're in there getting shots up before practice, before we stretch and, you know, get loose and everything. And this cat is setting up a golf net. For two hours, Tommy had to hit golf balls into the golf net because Cokey said, if you want to be on the golf course that much, you've got to work on your golf swing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Next time you talk to coach, ask him about that. That was up on the stage? He was sitting no. We were he was on the side court over by where the opposing bench is now, that side oh, yeah. of the bleachers, yeah. hitting into the net under the scoreboard. <laughs> Kid for oh, two, for two yeah. hours. Oh, we I all got those stories. I bet he was on time the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah, he was. Tommy had some other uh, stories where he had to go, like, Coke would take him for long runs because he would be late for stuff, and they were very long runs. Um, Next time I see him, I'll have to ask him. Oh, trust me, he'll get a big old smile, and he'll he'll do his little head shake at at you since I told the story. But, yeah, that's that's a good one, so... Um, What's the weekend look like for you? I know, know obviously, the Browns aren't playing, but you're probably going to be locked in your chair watching football on Sunday, I'm sure. Well, yeah, I'll watch some football on Sunday, but uh, the other thing I'll start tuning into now is that uh, the PGA Tour start making the uh, swing down down from Hawaii through the West Coast. Who, where do they play this week? Are they playing this weekend? I got, yeah, i got to look and see. I think they're... Uh, I think they got one more stop in Hawaii. Okay. I'm not sure. I haven't really looked. Uh, I'll start really tuning in once they hit L.A. Yeah. I, and, you know, they hit Phoenix and L.A. and then Phoenix for the big uh, the Rebel Rouser in uh, Scottsdale. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's been no word yet uh, on what the PGA is going to do with crowds. Uh and as it stands now, you know, we're going to come up real quick on the Masters, too. I think I did read that the Masters is coming up with a plan to have limited ticket holders be yes, able to come, they are, right? They're, they're, they're expecting that if uh, if everything works out, that, it, well, first of all, it, everything goes to uh, club, my membership. Correct. Uh, and I think that they were talking uh, 13,000 people, something along those lines that they were going to make uh, uh, make room for and let in. I'm not sure what the final decision has been. It could, you know, that could change 10 times before True. the tournament. True. But uh, it, it, some of these people better not, uh, some of these tournaments better not uh, uh, back off on uh, uh, paying customers because I've got, I've got my tickets for one of the, you know, in the, the end of the season, when the FedEx uh, turn FedEx, uh, one of those will be here in uh, Maryland this year. It's a congressional over over at uh, Caves Valley. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah, one of the uh, yeah FedEx turn uh, when the play a FedEx playoffs. The, the cup, the, right? Yeah, uh, I think it's the I think it's the first round of the playoffs. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, I've got my tickets for uh, all all paid for and everything for that tournament. I've been see to the uh, see the big boys come in top seventy. 
I've only been to one golf tournament. I went down to the Tiger, and uh, and I went to like it was like early round. It wasn't a practice round. It might have been Thursday. I think I went down. It wasn't the weekend, and that's when Jordan Spieth was really coming on the scene and tearing it up mm-hmm. pretty good. And mm-hmm. um, Tiger wasn't playing. He was going through his back stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Um, we go to a green. I can't tell you which hole it was, right? But we're standing up above the green, and this gentleman is standing beside me. And Spieth's about a buck seventy out, maybe a little further. And he hits one, and to me, it's an awful shot for what they try to do, right? Like you read about these guys trying to drop it in a three-foot circle, and mm-hmm. a two-foot circle. Well, he dropped. He's leading in this tournament, so he drops this shot at a place that's not nearly as good the guy standing beside me goes that's perfect and i'm thinking to myself what the hell are you talking about that's perfect that that shot is awful so i kind of turned and looked at him for a second and i had to do a double take it was nick faldo and that's where the whole that was the whole placement for sunday and he was practicing that whole shot because he knew he had a little bit of a lead he could he could Kind of get it there, two putt, and he wasn't going to lose anything. That is a common, that is something that you commonly hear of this day and age when somebody's got a lead. And Faldo would be one of them to say it. But the fact that you were by Faldo is uh, that's unreal. So I, I looked at him and I'm like, oh my God, right? And he, you could just tell on my face. I said, I'm not going to ask to take a picture. Can I shake your hand? He goes, absolutely. So I shook Sir, Sir uh, Nick Faldo's hand. That, that's my Nick Faldo golf story. He, he is uh, very outgoing. He's awesome. He's huge. He's a hell of a lot bigger than I thought he was. He's six foot four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's six foot four. He stands along. He's like the first time I ever saw Greg Norman. Okay. Down at Firestone in Akron. And I'm in like the second row uh, on the first tee box. Uh and out comes Norman. Norman's getting ready. He comes out. He's oh my god! I, you know, you know he's big, but you know he's a big guy. But in person, you know, back you know, and not like he is now. Could be now, but I mean, back then he was structured perfect. He was big, and I'm thinking to myself, this is a this is a big dude mm-hmm. uh, for playing golf back in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he had the hat. You know. The Aussies, how he had on and everything. Oh, he was a strike. He was imposing. Yeah. Back in those days. Yeah. He was he was unreal. Dustin Johnson was there at this event. He's thick. Um you know who was well, Johnson about six five. Yeah, he was two, big too. You know, he is you know, a couple of years ago he was about two twenty five. Mm-hmm. And he uh maybe even a little bit more. But he went on he went on a uh, workout program, and he were he's about two twenty now. But that two twenty is probably about about tenth of a percent of body fat. Yeah, on him. Yes, you know who was skinny that I didn't realize that it's impressive what they do. But he was a lot smaller than I thought. Was Jim Furyk? Uh, yeah, Furyk. Furyk is you know, he's six foot six one. Yeah. But he's only about 150, 55 pounds. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's a little dude. Wiry. Yeah, he is. Wiry. And i tell you what, he was one great guy to talk to. He seemed pretty cool from a distance. Like, yeah, I interviewed him uh, a few years back. Uh, he had, um, I don't remember what I inter- what reason it was that I interviewed him for. I think I was in a, doing a series of things of calling and talking to some guys on tour that were from the area, so to speak. But, you know, he was from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And he was a former state uh, high school uh, champion yep. in the state of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So I got a hold of him, and he was he was really cool. He appreciated the fact, he, I think he appreciated the fact, at least he said so, uh, that it was somebody that was talking about high school, his past in, uh, in high school. You don't hear that much, you know. Uh, for anybody other than Tiger, you know, being a champion and stuff like that. He thought that was so cool. And I told him, I said, well, it's so cool. I'm talking to you, Jim Furyk. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, but he was a good guy. And he's, you know, he's still playing well. Yeah, he is. He but, hangs uh, in with yeah, those guys. But, uh, but don't even get me started on golf. 
because I could give you so many stories uh, playing with people and I mean even you know, Mr. Palmer Okay, but I don't want to get he he's the he was the all time greatest uh, as far as golf is concerned. But I tell you a real quick one. Back in uh, when I lived in Cleveland, back in the sixties, the, the tour was an, an annual stop in Cleveland. There used to be the Cleveland Open mm-hmm. uh, back in uh, you know in the late sixties, and that's when Sammy Snead was oh, big time in Cleveland. Ben Hogan, uh, my club where I played at in, in Cleveland. Sam Snead just dominated that place when the Cleveland Open was there at Manikiki Golf uh, Country Club. Uh, but the PGA Championship was being played at Canterbury Golf Club. Mm-hmm. It was a ritzy club back then. It was like Fountainhead. Okay. Tucked in residential, tight course. Uh, but the PGA was there. It was some. It was some kind of course. Well, anyway, on the Thursday round. Um, we're sitting on, I think it was on 14, par 3, I don't remember, but we were first row seats, uh, just beyond, just at the back end of the green, and Fuzzy Zeller was in the threesome, and if anybody knows what Fuzzy was like, he had, uh, he would always, he always had a stogie in his mouth, uh, and he was whistling all the time, he was, uh, partly lead Trevino, uh, always singing and talking everywhere. Anyway, uh, Zeller parks one. Oh, I mean, you know, two and a half, three feet from the hole, and he's just whistling and coming. You know, he's just whistling like he's on. He probably didn't even think he's in a tournament. He's just out for a regular round of golf. He is just shooting the ball and he's talking to everybody in the one. You know, that was up front, and uh, he was looking. He looked at me. And he says, and he looked at me once. He takes a cigar in his mouth. He says. You think I can make this shot? And I said, you probably can with your eyes closed. And I went up and made it. You got all three of them in the group had birdies. But that's just how he was. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget that. I want to uh, talk golf with story you. Story Honor Palmer has on. He was he was unbelievable. That t- that same tournament uh, or the same location several years after that PGA Championship was the Senior Open. Okay. Okay. And I interviewed him a few times over the years, and I hadn't seen him for a couple of years, probably not since the PGA. He was coming off 18. He remembered me when he saw me. I was floored. And uh, he says, come on over to Clubhouse afterwards. I was, I was just taken so, I was, you know, because I try to be nice with these guys when I interview them. I don't try to, you know, I'm not, some guys can be a prick. Uh, and you know, just I got my story, and you know, I want to get to know these guys, right? And uh, and that was one of the, that was one of the advantages. I loved the guy. And it, was, it was so bad when it was so bad when he died. Golf lost a good one that day. Oh, he lost. He lost a great one. Yeah. And he had such. You know, he's from Latrobe, PA. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but his uh, he his warehouse. You know, he grew up in a farm with his father. Or that his father owned, mm-hmm. uh, and it was really the Penn Valley area they were known as. That's why he did a lot of uh, commercials, if you remember, in the old days with Pennzoil. Yes, and you know he's always doing the commercials, and he was riding his, you know, he's on his tractor and everything like that. Hmm. I that was a natural Pennzoil with Penn Valley and stuff like that. Did not know that but, at all. Yeah, huh? I did not know that at all. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, and uh, he had his own warehouse of clubs but a lot of people didn't realize he made clubs hmm. and kept he had in his in his barn building which was unbelievably beautiful he had thousands and thousands and thousands of golf clubs that he got from people that he got from people to restore to keep mm-hmm. and to build he'd make clubs how about and that in those days when you you know you win a tournament and you got fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, dollars you know that was another form of income for him absolutely so, so that's, it, that's how he was and that and so much of that stuff is on display 
and a lot of it is on display down at uh, the uh, World Golf Hall of Fame. How about that? I learned I learned some some stuff there. I want to get I want to talk golf with you just on one show. We'll just talk all golf. Well, everybody's got if somebody loves golf, they've never been in the Hall of Fame. Real quick, they have got to go to the Hall of Fame to see all the busts and all the information, all the videos, you know, all the things you see in any Hall of Fame. Right. But there is one part of the Hall of Fame that is all gold. The lockers are gold. The clubs are gold. Wow. And I'm not going to tell you all who they are and what's all there. Right. But it is a pure gold walkthrough. That's pretty cool. There was so much money in that one room. <laughs> That's... <laughs> it's unbelievable. Who you got winning this weekend? Well, I think, uh, you know, uh, I really, I, I, like, I really like to see the Packers win. And I would like to see Buffalo win. That's, uh, that's uh, those are my prime two games, or you know, prime two, two uh, winners. winners. Yep. I'd really like to see that happen. Uh, and then I think I said earlier, you know, I kind of, you know, we were talking about Kansas City a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. The uh, first two teams in the Super Bowl, Kansas City and Green Bay. Correct. I don't know. Uh, it still could happen. And being that this is, uh, what is it, 55th the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It'd be pretty uh, cool, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be a bad renewal no. if it was Kansas City and Green Bay. But uh, I'd like to see Buff. That's one of those, uh, you know, one of those teams that you know has had to overcome, uh, has had to overcome uh, so many setbacks mm-hmm. uh, during the Jim Kelly era. Yep. Uh, that you you know you'd like to see him get one back. That's a great thirty for thirty, by the way. Oh yeah, it uh, and Jim Kelly was great. He was he was great history. He never. Uh, the coolest part about that is he never forgot where he came from. Like he is, he could go anywhere he wants, but he chooses to stay in Buffalo because he loves those people. Yeah, well, the town. You know, he made the town, and the town made him. You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, hopefully, you know, it's come Sunday evening, we'll have a, we'll have some good results in the uh, the Packer household, and uh, we can be get ready to have a little bit of fun at the Super Bowl. But uh, there you go. Um, I appreciate you coming on. I always love having you on. I'm hoping to having you on. I, hell, we should just do this every Friday. Just kind of shoot shoot the bull, talk about whatever's going on, and have a little bit of fun with it. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good for it. Hey, perfect. That works for me. I uh, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend, and I'll uh, look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks a lot. Chad. I right, see you. Bye bye. It's always great to have Tim on the show. He always brings a wealth of knowledge and stories, and I really enjoy uh, talking with him about a little bit of everything. He's been around Hagerstown as well as Maryland, and obviously he speaks of you know stuff in Pennsylvania and Ohio, but look forward to always having him on the show. Nevermore Wildest Dreams podcast will be back tomorrow, getting ready to uh, talk about college basketball as well as talk about the NFL on Sunday. Until then, we will talk to you soon.